Today, we'll get a look at a new governmental threat to Christian foster parents and tell you what you can do about it. The Supreme Court's already ruled on the issue of foster care and and said you can't discriminate against Christians, but this is a way for them, the LGBTQ community, to circumvent that Supreme Court ruling. Then, troubled marriages, what part does good counseling play? Even if the other spouse will not go with them to counseling, I recommend that that person go to counseling. Also, what's behind the current rise in anti-Semitism in the U.S.? There's a culture of anti-Semitism on the campuses of what has been thought of as the finest universities in the United States. It's the weekend of January 20th and 21st. I'm Jeff Shambly, and this is The Stand Radio. The latest figures indicate that there are 391,000 children in the U.S. foster care system. When you add to that the numbers of minors without parents crossing the southern border, you can begin to understand the need for foster parents to step in and provide care and stability to these children. But now the Biden administration is putting more pressure on the foster care system with a proposed rule that would effectively drive Christian couples away from being foster parents. AFA Executive Vice President Ed Vitagliano is here to tell us more about this and what you can do to stop it. Hi, Ed. Hey, Jeff. Good to be with you. Tell us about this rule that the Biden administration is putting forward. Well, uh, foster care in the United States is under the purview of the Department of Health and Human Services. So what the Biden administration has done, it is proposed a rule that will govern HHS oversight over the foster care system. This is tied to monies that states get for their foster care uh, programs and child protective services, so Mm -hmm. on and so forth. So this new rule put forth by the Biden administration is euphemistically named uh, the Safe and Appropriate Foster Care Placement Requirements. And that rule would require foster parents to, quote, utilize the child's identified pronouns, chosen name, and allow the child to dress in an age-appropriate manner that the child believes reflects their Mm self-identified gender identity and expression, close quote. So uh, our concern and the concern of a lot of people is that those who will not affirm, who choose not to affirm the LGBTQ rules because of their Christian faith will be deemed unsafe by the Biden administration and ultimately uh, it rejected or cut out of the foster care system. That's yeah. our concern, that, that yeah, this rule will uh, push Christians, and probably not just Christians, mm-hmm. but primarily Christians, out of the foster care system. Thankfully, some people are pushing back against this proposed rule. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, this this rule has gotten a lot of attention. And in response to that, uh, the attorneys general from 19 states have written a letter to the Biden administration urging the Biden administration to reverse course for this very reason. They believe it will effectively disqualify Christian families from serving as foster parents, at least those Christian parents who hold the uh, teachings of their faith uh, in in sincerity. Um, And more than that, as you mentioned, this would come if this rule is adopted by uh, the the Department of Health and Human Services. 
this would put a huge strain on the foster care system, yeah. especially at a time when it is being flooded, literally yeah. flooded by tens of thousands of unaccompanied minors coming from across our southern border, across the northern border to some extent, but especially across the southern border, um, and who are going to wind up at some point mm-hmm. probably needing um, foster care. The American Family Association has released an action alert on this. Um, what is that and what can people do, Ed? Yeah, all of our action alerts uh, can be accessed at afa.net. Of course, American Family Association, part of our mission is to activate Christians. So uh, w- this particular action alert and others that we do post at afa.net is encouraging people to contact their state's attorney general. And we have two options here. If your attorney general signed this letter to the Biden administration urging them to withdraw this proposed rule, uh, we've prepared a thank you letter for people to send. If, If someone's attorney general did not sign the letter, we've prepared a letter for people to send urging them to oppose this rule and protect the rights of Christians in their state who wish to serve as foster parents. So if you go to afa.net, uh, you will see uh, a drop-down menu for activism, and uh, all of our past action alerts, including this one, yeah. will appear, and we encourage people to sign up. So they can go on there and find out who the signatories were to this letter and then do a simple search to find out who their state attorney general is and then make that comparison? Yes. In the action alert, there's a link included in the body of the action alert. It refers to the letter signed by these 19 states' uh, attorneys general. You can read the entire letter. It's about 12 pages. It lays out the reasons why these attorneys general do not think this rule uh, is constitutional, for one thing, but why it is um, anti-Christian and uh, unnecessary, but also potentially harmful for the kids yeah. who will need uh, – we, we need a pool of as many qualified mm-hmm. foster parents as possible. There's also the issue, Ed, that anyone who would disagree with LGBTQ ideologies being deemed, quote, unsafe as foster parents, what are we supposed to make with language like that? Yeah, this is this is becoming very common for anyone who's uh, read up and start, tried to stay up on these kinds of uh, incidents. Um, this is right out of the LGBTQ playbook. So what happens is activists will start out by saying we we want all children to be safe, mm-hmm. and well, who doesn't? Sure. Okay, we all want children to be safe, especially when you're talking about foster care. Okay, so you start that what these LGBTQ activists do, they start off by saying we want all children to be safe, but then safe is defined as foster parents being in full support of a child's gender identity. Wow. And so that kind of craftiness continues. So while the Biden administration with this proposed rule doesn't come right out and say Christian parents need not apply to be foster parents, that would be clearly unconstitutional. Instead, they say no one who won't keep LGBTQ kids safe need apply. And of course, that means you can't hold to the teachings of your faith. So it's, it's, it's very shrewd and crafty how they have framed this issue to exclude Christian parents without coming right out and saying, we don't want Christian uh, foster care kids. The Supreme Court's actually already ruled on this issue. That is mentioned, by the way, in this letter 
uh, from the attorneys general. The Supreme Court's already ruled on the issue of foster care right, okay. and, and said you can't discriminate against Christians. Um, but this is a way for them, the, the LGBTQ community, to circumvent that Supreme Court ruling. All right. Well, we encourage our listeners to take action on this. Again, go to the website, afa.net, and there you'll find a link at the top of the page called Activism, and then there's an action alert button right by that. If you go onto the page, uh, afa.net Activism, you'll see a list of of a lot of different kinds of action alerts. The main thing is uh, be prayerful about this, be involved, and do what you can to steward the culture that we have. Ed, thanks for being with us. Certainly glad to be with you, Jerry. According to Forbes Advisor, there were over 689,000 divorces in 45 states that reported that data. In addition to that, half of all first marriages end in divorce. That failure rate gets worse on second and third marriages. Well, certainly Christian marriages are not exempt from problems, but there are ways to reduce conflict and prevent divorce. Bert Harper is the director of Marriage, Family, and Pastoral Ministries here at AFA. He's also co-host of Exploring the Word. Bert, welcome to the program today. Thank you, Jeff. It's good to be with you. What have you seen in terms of the leading causes for conflict in Christian marriages? Oh, listen, there are many, but I still think the number one is communication. Mm. <clears throat> Uh, men and women, you know, they communicate differently. They really do. And then also you find finances is one of the high marks on that conflict. Uh, Believe it or not, in-laws can be an issue Mm. because uh, it's, you notice God said, leave your father and mother and cleave to Mm -hmm. your wife. And sometimes that leaving is not as smooth as we would like for it to be. And Intimacy. Now, when I say that, it's not necessarily the physical intimacy, although it can be. A lot of times it's emotional Hmm. uh, intimacy because uh, years and years and years ago, most of the women did not work outside Mm -hmm. the home and they were home. But today, more than ever, men and women are placed together in the workplace and they start sharing and they start sharing very intimate details, and that causes all kinds of conflict. So these are real conflicts that can hurt a marriage deeply if they don't get help. How does a person know when it's time to reach out for help? Well, in desperate, most of them wait for desperation. They need to do it before then. When one of them feels alienated and feels like the other spouse is not attentive and Mm -hmm. not listening— uh, even if the other spouse will not go with them to counseling, I recommend that that person go okay. to counseling. Okay. And usually there's professional counselors in cities near people, and uh, I, I developed a reference list mm-hmm. to send some people there. Some of them were local, and some were – a lot of them can do it by phone, believe it or not, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, so you don't wait till it deteriorates to the point of both being – uh, angry. I've seen it so many times. One okay. wanting help, and then it's so late. They give up, and when they give up, the other person mm-hmm. they they're ready for counseling now. Yeah, and they've already, you know, gone over a bridge too far many times. But you don't wait long. You do it. If even if it's one wanting the counseling and knowing they need it, get the help they need. 
Uh, what I hear you saying is that suffering in silence is really not a good option. It really is not. Now, again, I'm old enough to remember. Uh, usually, uh, we was talking about in-laws being yeah. a problem, yeah. but they were also a great help. A lot of times, uh, I don't know if you remember the television program, The Waltons, mm -hmm. but look who was there. The grandmother and granddaddy was mm -hmm. there, the mom and dad was there, yeah. and the mm -hmm. children were there. That was not unusual uh, many years ago, but now because of distance and everything, a lot of times the husband or wife doesn't have an immediate counselor that they refer to, their mom or dad or aunt or uncle or somebody close. Uh, Bert, are there certain qualities or qualifications that you'd recommend for getting the right counselor? Well, when you say Christian, it it means a lot, but you want them to have a high regard for marriage. Okay. In other words, they believe in the sanctity of marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, I know of people that's gone to counselors, and they say, well, you've gone too far. Y'all just need to get a divorce. Mm, okay. uh, I'm not saying divorce is not something that takes place, and because of abuse and and desertion, sometimes divorce is necessary in order for their safety yeah, and, right. and their life. I've known that, so I, I don't say that lightly. But I, you want one that believes we want to save the marriage, not you know, not make it depart, not trying to give them an excuse yeah. for divorce, mm -hmm. but trying to help them to be able to overcome the issues. The other one that they have a. They have resource, and it's spiritual resources, people okay. that would tell them to go to the five love languages of mm -hmm. Dr. Gary Chapman, mm -hmm. or they would read Gary Smalley books uh, on, on understanding the different personalities. Uh, those, those resources have really helped. I've had more couples tell me the five love languages by Gary Chapman has helped them more than any book they'd ever read. Uh, they knew they were loved, but they didn't feel loved. And okay. when you don't, okay. when you don't feel loved, it's hard to overcome those feelings. And uh, Dr. Chapman, if a person wants to work on their marriage, the five love languages are awesome resource to do so. And I think good counselors will have those resources, telling those individuals this is what you can do. What are some of the things that uh, couples can do to prepare uh, ahead of counseling? Oh. First of all, I'd say they should have gotten premarital counseling. Okay. Do do a little bit. Do okay. do preventive. An ounce of mm -hmm. uh, prevention's worth a pound of cure. Yeah. But humility, okay. and take responsibility. Uh, hmm. Now you do not take responsibility for things that you did not do, but you examine yourself. The Bible says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith concerning salvation. Right. In a marriage, you do examine yourself to see what is what is wrong on your side. You can change yourself, but you're not going to change that individual. So that person needs to have humility, responsibility. And the other thing is they need to start being ready to serve one another. Okay. Uh, That's good. Listen, serving one another uh, makes the other one appreciate your service. Mm. And it, it should be equal. And it should be a win-win, not a win-lose. If it's a win-lose all the time, Jeff, okay. sooner or later, if it's the husband or the wife, they're going to get tired of being on the losing end. It's always they go where that strong-willed person wants to go. They mm -hmm. do that person. And I've seen, that's the reason so many marriages break up even after the children are gone because 
the dominance of one of those was so real, they just decided to go somewhere else. So you, humility and responsibility. Bert, what is the ultimate goal uh, after counseling is finished? Is there a, a successful outcome that you can describe for us? Well, you want, it, you want it, them to stay together. Uh, you want them to understand that God intended marriage for a lifetime, and that would be it. But you want them to go away. Uh, I, they go away knowing they're servants, going away knowing that they want to stay together because of of God's command, but you hope that they'll rekindle the love. You have to go back to Scripture. It talks about the church in Revelation. You've left your first love. Mm-hmm. So a successful, I would say a successful marriage counselor would help both of those people discover their first love, Jesus, and then their first human love, and that's their spouse. Well, if you're listening today and you need help in your marriage and you're looking for resources, we'd point you to the website focusonthefamily.com slash get help. And you can also do a simple search for those words, focus on the family and get help. Once again, the website focusonthefamily.com slash get help. Bert Harper, Director of Marriage, Family, and Pastoral Ministries here at AFA. Bert, thanks for sharing your insight with us today. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. In just moments from now, a group of students, parents, and politicians are set to hold a news conference at New York City's Cooper Union College after a group of Jewish students had to barricade themselves in the school library from pro-Palestinian protesters. Watch. You'd think widespread anti-Semitism would be limited to a handful of countries under the influence of Iran, but not something that any modern Western nation would consider or even tolerate. But that's not the case. Hatred of the Jews is still alive, and as we've seen in the news, it's happening where we live. Gary Bauer is the president of American Values. He served as a Trump appointee to the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom and has been a consistent voice in support of Israel and the Jewish people. Mr. Bauer, welcome to The Stand Radio. Thank you. Great to be with you. Many of us have watched in almost disbelief uh, at the levels of hatred toward the Jews. It's been brazen. It's been deliberate. How do you explain this level of anti-Semitism that we're seeing here in America? I, I think there's a couple of things going on, and you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's been horrifying to see this. Um, you know, we learned during COVID that there were a lot of bad things going on in American classrooms. Uh, now I, th- I think we've seen that uh, the university campuses of the United States, which we already knew were off the rails in, in a lot of different ways, but in addition to all the things we know about, the teaching of anti-American history, for example, which happens on a lot of university campuses, and uh, you know the, the silencing of conservative speech and, and so forth, we, we also now have the direct evidence that there's a culture of anti-Semitism on the campuses of what has been thought of as the finest universities in the United States. And then related to that, and and this is sensitive because uh, uh, we we want to avoid uh, uh, saying things in a way that will allow uh, the the anti-Semites in our society to pounce on it. But nonetheless, there is evidence that we are importing Mm 
anti-Semitism into the country. Uh, we have massive levels of both uh, legal and illegal immigration. Many of those people are coming from uh, nations that have high levels of, uh, of hatred of Jews and, and, in many cases, of Christians. And we're not doing anything uh, to keep people from coming in and bringing those hatreds with them. Yeah. There's been a tendency for American Jews uh, to vote more or less in lockstep with the left throughout the years. Has this level of anti-Semitism had any effect at all on their attitudes toward Israel? You know, I've I've worked with the American Jewish community for many, many years, and um, I, I have many... Uh, American uh, Jews who are who are personal friends. I, I have to confess that it's sometimes been very frustrating to to go to a meeting of uh, of American Jews and and I end up being the most pro-Israel guy in the room. So I've never quite figured that out. Uh, I you're absolutely right, though. I think it's been well established that American Jews tend. Uh, to lean toward the political uh, left in, in their voting and uh, in viewpoints. Although we have noticed in recent years that as the Orthodox Jewish community in America is growing, they, in fact, are more likely to trend toward uh, the, the political and, and cultural right. Um, to your specific question, I have noticed in recent weeks uh, a, a number of uh, uh, liberal Jews, including in my own neighborhood, mm-hmm. who are quite frankly in, in something of a crisis right now. They they've made common cause with a lot of left wing groups, and they thought they would have the loyalty of those groups in exchange. And it ended up that when uh, the world was erupting with calls for death to the Jews, these left-wing groups were nowhere to be seen, or they were joining in in the calls for genocide. So I I think we could be seeing some sort of realignment uh, taking place. I certainly pray that that's taking place. You've had a chance to interact with a number of uh, different Christian groups. How would you describe the response of evangelical Christians uh, to these waves of anti-Semitism? You know, there there is in some corners of the evangelical world um, an anti-Semitism that gets back to this notion that uh, the Jews killed our Lord. And uh, my my take on that is that is a really sad um, interpretation of Scripture. Christ died on the cross because of the sins of mankind from the Garden of Eden all the way up to now. Uh, so every sinner crucified Christ. Uh, and of course, you know, our entire Bible was, 95% of it was written by Jews, the first family of Christendom, uh, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus were, were Jews, uh, all the prophets, the patriarchs, and so forth. Um, so, uh, having observed that, which has been very frustrating, I'm very hardened by the fact that uh, Christian evangelicals have uh, historically been one of the most pro-Israel and the most vocal in condemning anti-Semitism of of any group in American society, and that is true during the crisis that we're in right now. 
There may be people listening today, uh, Gary, that, you know, they, they're in small towns. They're, they're far removed from some of these centers of anti-Semitism, but they want to do something to show support for Israel and the Jewish people. What can they do, practically speaking? Well, of course, the answer to any question uh, about any of the problems we're facing is always first uh, uh, to pray uh, for, the, for American Jews and for our neighbors and so forth. Uh, but we are also called to act, and the prayer should not be, you know, an excuse for not actually doing something. So if you live in a community where there is a synagogue or, uh, you know, a Jewish club or some other Jewish organization, I've been urging pastors and, and Christian leaders to reach out to their uh, Jewish neighbors and friends and and to the synagogues and say, look, we're here for you, let us know how we can help. Uh, we reject this hatred. Uh, we we stand with you uh, in the idea that in America all of us should be able to seek God and worship God as our hearts and souls lead us. Um, if you're in a town that that doesn't have a Jewish presence, uh, reach out to the next biggest uh, town and tell them you live a few miles away, but if there's anything that you can do to aid their synagogue during these troubling times that you and your church or you and your family are willing to do that, that would go a a long way. Um, You know, I live in Northern Virginia, and there are quite a few... uh, uh, there's a, a fairly large Jewish population in Northern Virginia and in the Washington, D.C. area. And my wife and I have reached out to our Jewish neighbors, many of whom we've had some significant political arguments with over the years, yeah. uh, but nonetheless to tell them that, uh, to remind them that as a Christian, we love them, uh, we we want the best for them, we reject anti-Semitism, and that if they ever uh, feel threatened or something's happening at their home and that they're worried or afraid that, uh, you know, call 911, but then call us and we're, you know, next door or a block away and we'll be right there. So I, I think doing things like that uh, or sort of in the spirit of, of how Christians in Europe and in Germany and the, the, the conquered nations of Europe during World War II, uh, often hid Jews to keep them away from the Nazis, that in that spirit uh, we should make it clear to our Jewish neighbors that we're with them uh, and standing with them today. Our guest today has been Gary Bauer. You can learn more about him and his work at American Values at uh, ouramericanvalues.org. There you'll find a lot of insightful commentary, news about Israel, and news on the pro-life front as well. Gary, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you with us today. The pleasure's been all mine. Keep up the great work. Next week on The Stand Radio, we'll hear about the growing persecution of believers in Russia and offer you a way to strengthen them through a personal note of encouragement. Then we'll tell you about the latest government threat to gain control of the Internet through FCC regulations. And we'll talk with author and Bible teacher Christy McClellan on seeing the message of the Bible through a Middle Eastern lens. If you'd like to hear today's program again or share it with someone else, go to our podcast page at afr.net slash podcasts. And many of our guests are featured in our monthly magazine, The Stand. You can get a free six-month subscription for yourself or give it as a gift by going to afa.net slash The Stand. I'm Jeff Shanley. Join us again next time here on The Stand Radio.